Hello, folks. Welcome to Notoriously Episcopalian, a podcast of sermons from me, Kelly Hudlow, an itinerant Episcopal priest in Alabama. Thanks for listening. This is a sermon for the second Sunday after the Feast of the Epiphany, January 16th, 2022, offered at St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Greensboro, Alabama. The principal text for the sermon is the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, the miracle at the wedding of Cana. May I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. As a clergy person, one of the things that I am called on to do from time to time um, is officiate at weddings. Now, weddings can be a lot of fun, right? It's fun to get to know the couple that are beginning their life together. Clergy have to meet with them so many times before the marriage. It's also fun to see how families come together and different friend groups and, and all everybody gathering as a community to make this day. Weddings are also very stressful. In the 21st century, our family dynamics are perhaps not as simple as they once were. They cost a lot of money, which stresses people out. There's a lot of moving parts that are happening on the same day at the same time, and there is extreme pressure on the couple and their family to make it the most special day ever. So this week I was talking with somebody about a wedding that I have that's coming up and we were talking about the different gospel options that the Book of Common Prayer gives for weddings. This particular couple wants to have a Eucharist at their wedding so we have to have a gospel reading and so we are going through and talking about, well, they give you different selections from the Gospel of Matthew with the Beatitudes and you know a reading from Luke and we have some readings from the Gospel of John And the person I was talking with said, you know, it's kind of strange that they don't have the miracle at the wedding of Cana, right, as a gospel reading. It's the the only time we have Jesus, like, actually at a wedding, it would seem to be a logical choice. And my response was, well, even though the story is about a miracle, it may be too real for a wedding, right? Folks don't want to show up and hear a story about something going wrong at a wedding while they themselves are sitting at a wedding. This miracle, the turning of water into wine, is one of the most well-known and perhaps most loved miracles that Jesus performs, but it only appears in the Gospel of John. In this Gospel, John does not write about Jesus' miracles. He doesn't call this a miracle. What he calls it is a sign. So the turning the water into wine is a sign that signifies and is supposed to catch our attention. The wedding in Cana is the first sign that Jesus performs. What's going to follow include three healings, the feeding of the 5,000, walking on water, and the raising of Lazarus. And that list of signs, the miracle at the wedding, seems a little out of place, right? Just turning water into wine so that people can keep celebrating a wedding doesn't seem quite on par with healing somebody that can't see. Now, before this passage, we get John's opening prologue, right? The beautiful sort of poem that begins the gospel that talks about the incarnation. Jesus has encountered John the Baptist. He's begun to invite his disciples by saying, come and see. And then the next thing we get is Jesus at a wedding. 
And so in Jesus's time, this wedding was something that would have stretched over a whole week. If you think our weddings are stressful, manage, plan, manage, imagine planning a wedding that was going to last seven days. And the guest list for this sort of wedding isn't, you know, something where you can like count 75 plates and that's how many you know need to be there. The guest list was open to the whole community. And so the couple and their families were chiefly responsible for the hospitality for sort of an unknown number of guests over a period of seven days, right? Jesus's mother was going to the wedding. He decides to go and he brings these sort of tag along disciples that he's just now met to the wedding. Like this is how wedding parties sort of happen. And now what would usually happen is if you were a guest to a wedding, the gift you brought would be food and wine or drink that would then become part of the hospitality at the wedding. So we see Jesus following sort of this amazing opening of the gospel, his encounter with John the Baptist in what seems to be a very mundane scene with his mother attending a wedding. Jesus is not the guest of honor. He's just one more community member that has gathered to celebrate the couple. And in this moment, what John is doing is showing us what it means for the word to become flesh and live among us. John doesn't give us a baby in a manger, but he does give a Jesus that goes to the neighborhood wedding to celebrate with his community members. There's a bit of humor in this story, too. We don't think about the Gospel of John as being funny or Jesus being funny. But when Jesus' mom says, hey, they're out of wine, his response is, mom, what does that have to do with us? Like, that wasn't our job. We weren't supposed to bring the wine. But his mother knows better and tells the servants to do as Jesus instructs. And so without a lot of fanfare, Jesus turns 180 gallons of water into the best wine that you could imagine. And these aren't just filled jugs. These are filled jugs to the brim, like when you were a kid and you maybe tried to fill up a water glass without spilling, but you could get that sort of curve over the top because of the surface tension. That's how fill, filled these jugs are with the best wine. The purpose of this sign is not that Jesus could turn water into wine, not that he could do a party trick. The purpose of this sign is that John wants us in this moment to be able to feel and taste and sense what the lavish abundance of God is like. The signs that Jesus performs in the gospel reveal to the, word what it, to the world what it means for the word of God to become incarnate. It also shows us what it means to live in God's grace. John only uses the word grace four times and it's all in the first chapter. Everything that comes after that is John showing us what grace feels like. And so for the writer of the Gospel of John, God's grace feels like 180 gallons of the best wine you could imagine filled to the brim, brought to a wedding when you have just run out. It feels like being filled back up so you can continue to celebrate in joy and community. 
John is going to be the gospel that gives us the line that Jesus says, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And when that happens in chapter 10, we should be hearing in that sort of the miracle at the wedding of Cana of an abundant life that is overfilling with the things that we want and need. We should also hear in that the feeding of the 5,000 where Jesus shows abundance and gives us the basic needs that we, we need when we are hungry, right? And so in the season after Epiphany, the gospel readings invite us to ask again and again, what is being revealed about Jesus in this moment, right? And then the second question is, what is being revealed about who we are called to be? So if we think about the wedding in Cana, we see that we are being, what is being revealed is that we are invited to see and taste the abundance of God's grace. And we are invited to experience that lavish gift that God offers through Jesus Christ. And in this moment, we can also learn that we are called by God to be a people that relies on God's abundance, not just on our own. They were also called to be a people that extends hospitality. And most importantly, I think from the scene is that we are called to be a people that celebrates that hold celebrations, that lift each other up in joy, and that in moments that maybe seem ordinary, we can be invited to experience the sacred. Right now, we are probably tired, right? We are in whatever wave of this pandemic. We have friends and family that we don't know exactly what's going to happen on a Sunday morning, right? Who's going to have to stay home? Um, Who's maybe gotten sick? How many people are going to be in the pews? And we're tired and we are, at least for some folks, are sort of running out of the energy of managing the anxiety of this particular moment. We're tired of that kind of constant hum that seems to be there. It's very easy to lose sight of the hope and the joy that we are called to. And so in this sign that we get at the wedding of Cana, what we are reminded of is that we don't have to rely on our own strength or our own stores of energy or time or forgiveness, right? We're not just relying on ourselves, but we rely on the community that gathers together. But most importantly, We rely on the abundant grace of God, a grace that cannot be, cannot run out. We cannot use up too much of God's grace, nor can we give too much of God's grace away. And so in this season, as we deal with the stresses of life, stresses of weather, stresses of pandemic, the stress of uncertainty, we are reminded again that God has come in the form of Jesus Christ to give us life and to give us life abundantly. And that that abundance is more than we can ever imagine and will be provided when we need it. Amen.